Uh, we've been doing a series on gospel words, uh, which are basically different terms. It tells us how God brings about our salvation. Um, and so today we're talking about glorification, which is uh, often kind of misunderstood. This is the final act um, in the golden chain of redemption, which is glorification. Right? And we've been learning different pieces uh, which is different parts about uh, how God is bringing about our salvation. And if you started with us from the beginning, or if you joined us for a few of these, or if you're first one, uh, welcome. Okay, so our, uh, the point of these is not just to learn what these mean, but also for it to affect the way that we live, for us to think about it, and to, to uh, actually have a reaction afterwards. Uh, and so, that, so we have, uh, Josh has prepared a special review of all the gospel words we've learned so far. And so if you have your phones and want to scan this QR code, there's a very, very fancy, very special little, uh, little pamphlet for you that has all the different gospel words we've learned. So propitiation, adoption, justification, redemption, sanctification, and today glorification. So this has a review of all of that, plus there's a bonus of there's books and resources that we've used throughout the whole of the course that are really helpful. So I highly recommend you scan that. And if you want a physical copy, you can come talk to me or Josh afterwards, uh, and we'll hook you up. Uh, but trust me, it's, it's pretty beautiful. You'll want to you'll wanna check it out. Um, and so today we end with uh, glorification, which is the final stage of what God will do for his people. Uh, and that's our hope, and it is a comforting hope. Uh, because I think in general, we're thinking about the future, it can be pretty intimidating. I mean, like, no matter where we are in life, when we try to think about what's happening down the road, it can sometimes cause us to, like, wig out a little bit. Um, I mean, even thinking about next week sometimes can be daunting, or even maybe, like, um, if you ever had the question asked of you, especially if you're a parent, what are we having for dinner today? And you're like, oh, wait, yeah, oh, I, I don't know, we'll figure something out. Right? Like, thinking about the future is a little bit daunting and intimidating. Right? I mean, I remember thinking before college of what am I going to do in life? Am I going to have a good job? Am I going to find someone to marry? Where am I going to live? We look at the news a lot of times, especially now. It's like, man, is, is World War III going to happen? Sometimes even a, a serious traumatic event can jolt us out of our everyday today thinking, to think about these more important and essential things. Things like our own mortality. It can be exhausting trying to plan for a future and thinking about these different things that may or may not happen in life, but one thing is true, and we know that eventually our mortal bodies, they'll die. I mean, in our, our modern age, I think we're, we're, we're very separated from the idea of, of death, and then it, it's kind of can be easy to ignore its reality until it's like right in front of us and smacks us right in the face. We're confronted with it. And when we do think about death, we're forced to deal with the question of, you know, what happens next? But like all big questions in life, the Bible is where we can go to and that Bible provides us answers. And so that's where we'll turn today. And so our theme is glorification. And so we'll start with, uh, I'll start with the definition of glorification. Uh, and then that'll also kind of give us a framework, and then we'll go to the Bible to show where we get these ideas from, and then finally we'll talk about how we can apply it and uh, some of the implications for our life. So glorification is the future work of God to resurrect our bodies, 
reunite them with our souls and transform them into perfect eternal ones. So future work of God to resurrect our bodies, reunite them with our souls and transform them into perfect eternal ones. Okay. So as I said before, this is the final act of Christ to bring us to the place where we originally should have been as humans. For those who are saved by faith in Christ, our physical bodies, so actually our bodies, are resurrected and glorified or perfected to live with God forever. I don't know if you're like me, but I, I definitely had uh, not really a good conception of what, uh, of what the future looked like for believers, what heaven really looks like. Um, I had this idea, especially as a kid, that after I died, like, my soul would just kind of, like, float away and go to heaven, and that would be it, and, and that's all. Um, but it's important to remember that God created us as both body and soul, and that's how he designed us to be, and that's where we will eventually be, both body and soul together. You know, James 2.26 says, for as the body apart from the soul, the spirit is dead, so faith apart from works is dead. Our bodies don't live uh, and are not designed to live without our spirit or soul forever. Both are essential to who we are, you know? Uh, and throughout the centuries, Christians have had to fight against the idea that anything physical is bad while anything spiritual is good. And that was a false idea that was, that was floating around, especially in the time, uh, in the first, uh, first few centuries A.D., uh, this is a, a, actually a, a heresy that some of the early Christian apologists had to deal with, that uh, like our, soul is, uh, our, our soul is good and our physical body is bad. But actually, God designed it so that both are designed to be good. I mean, although our, our, our physical body gets get corrupted by sin and the fall, when, when God created Adam and Eve as physical beings, it was good. And that's how we're meant to be in the future. And so Justin Martyr, who's a uh, second century church apologist, he wrote this. Again, he's writing this to counter Gnosticism, this idea that, uh, like, yeah, the physical body is bad. Um, and so he wrote this. But in truth, he has even called the flesh to the resurrection and promises to it everlasting life. For where he promises to save man, there he gives the promise to the flesh. For what is man but the reasonable animal composed of body and soul? Is a soul by itself man? No, but the soul of man. Would the body be called man? No, but it is called the body of man. If then neither of these is by itself man, but that which is made up of the two together is called man. And God has called man to life and resurrection. He has called not a part, but the whole, which is the soul and the body. These two are meant to be united, which they will at our glorification. The Bible teaches that our souls, when we die here, do go to be with God initially. So this is like, the, they call it like an intermediate stage, right? When we die on earth, our souls go to be with God in heaven. We see this in Luke 23, where Jesus promises the thief on the cross that he'll be with him in paradise that day. And in Philippians 1.23, when Paul says to depart is to be with Christ. But that's not our ultimate destination, which is part of the way. Uh, and so one author put it this way, that heaven is penultimate, not ultimate. And penultimate, you know, that's a pretty sweet word. I don't know if you know. Like the second to last, right? It's not the last thing, but it's penultimate. It's second to last. That's, that's where heaven is. That's where our souls go. It's second to last. But eventually, our body and souls are reunited when Christ returns. So first, God's people go to heaven. But from there, we wait the actual resurrection of our earthly bodies, just like Jesus' resurrected body. 
um, and they're reunited. Okay, so when you, ha- when you die, if you have been saved by grace through faith, God will bring your physical body back to life and perfect it for eternity so that you can live with God forever in that glorified state in the new heavens and the new earth where there'll be no more sickness, no more sadness, no more tears, and no more death. Um, And then if you do not have faith, you'll be resurrected to everlasting torment in the lake of fire. So the first passage we're going to use to this is from Philippians. So that's Philippians 3, 20 to uh, chapter 4, verse 1. So Philippians 3, verse 20 to 4, 1. So if you have your Bibles, turn there. If you have your phone, flip to there. And uh, so what we're going to do, as I've done before, uh, so you're going to find a couple people around you. So read this part together and tell me about what, it, uh, it, what we can learn about glorification from this passage. So go ahead. Reading this with a couple people. Tell me what it means about glorification. Okay, we're gonna, we'll bring it back in. So uh, what, is, what does this tell us uh, about, about glorification in general? So for this, who, who does it happen to? Yeah. Right, okay, yes, happens to all those who are justified. And specifically here in, uh, in Philippians, Paul says those who have their citizenship where? In heaven, right? Those that have their citizenship in heaven, right? Before before this passage, Paul actually contrasts this with a with the people that walk as enemies of the cross of Christ, and their end is destruction. However, citizens of heaven, their end is this glorification, the new body that they have, the new glorious body. Cool. Now, what does what does that part tell us about our uh, our resurrected body. What is it going to be like? Mm -hmm. Great. Yep. It's going to be glorious. Like Christ's body. body. Yeah, exactly. Right. We know, we, we know that it's going to be, it's going to reflect Christ's resurrected body. And so we can look to Christ as the model for this. Remember when Jesus came to earth, he died, was buried, and then rose again. And his resurrected body was, it was a physical body. He ate, uh, he talked with his disciples, they, they touched him, even though it, was a little, it wasn't like, like a totally normal body. You know, sometimes uh, like Jesus' resurrected body seems to like go through locked doors. Um, it's, it's not like first recognized by his disciples. So it's not exactly the same, but it's a physical body. And at its basis, it's, it's, uh, it, it's his 
And we'll talk a little bit about more, a little bit more about how, how our glorified body is going to be different. Um, but we look to Christ. It talks about in Colossians that Christ was the firstborn from the dead, that he promised to raise his people up on the last day in John 640, and he's the first to rise from the dead in Acts 26:23. So Christ is the first to rise, but eventually all those who are united to him by faith will also do that. And if you're in Christ, you will also have that physical resurrection. Um, and Paul writes about that uh, this resurrection that Christ did really is, is almost the, like the hinge of which Christianity lies. Right? If, he says in 1 Corinthians 15 that if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile because you are still in your sins. That the resurrection of Jesus actually is a really big deal. And you can't deny the physical resurrection of Jesus and still call yourselves a faithful Christian. But if Jesus really did come back from the dead, then that really does change everything. And, I, and I'm going to take a little aside here because I really think that it's this important that uh, if, if, if you aren't yet uh, a Christian, you have to ask yourself and you have to deal with the fact that what actually took place at the resurrection. Did Jesus really come back to life on the third day? And if you don't uh, believe that he did, you need to ask yourself why all of Jesus's uh, closest followers maintained that he was uh, resurrected. And they didn't just say, okay, yes, he rose again until other people came and said, uh, no, I have Jesus' body. Because there, there wasn't a body to find. They didn't just say that Jesus rose from the dead until they were threatened with persecution and death before recanting. No, the apostles to a man said that they saw the resurrected Jesus and were steadfast in proclaiming this right up to their final breath, which for many of them was because of persecution. Um, and while people might lie to gain money or fame or maybe earthly things, no rational person is going to maintain a lie to their death if it actually was, unless it actually was true. And so why would Jesus' followers just suffer and die for it? Just kind of a bonus thing to think about. Okay, and so let's go to another passage. So this is uh, 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. 42 to 44. 1 Corinthians 15, 42 to 44. So go ahead. Same thing as before. Read this with a couple people and talk about what this is. Paul, what, is, what does this tell about our glorification? Go ahead. Okay, so this one is talking about our bodies that are our mortal bodies. The first one is they go from perishable to what? Imperishable. imperishable. Right, so this is our first one. So we realize that we, our bodies become imperishable. 
The first thing that I thought about when I was thinking about perishable versus imperishable is food. You know that like if you get a perishable food item like you know a peach and you put it on your counter in a few days, depending on how much humidity and what's happening around the house, that peach is gonna fall apart and become nasty and gross, right? And that's the way that our mortal bodies are, that like we're here, but eventually it's gonna fade and it's gonna die. If we contrast that to like imperishable food, like a can of peaches, right? If those were to sit on the counter, they might collect dust on the outside of the can, but those peaches are still gonna be good for probably, you know, a few years, <laughs> unless, uh, unless you're at my house and then a can of peaches will be gone in two days because Kelsey loves canned peaches. It's, it's like her favorite thing. Um, but anyway, our earthly bodies are perishable, but our heavenly bodies are imperishable. And unlike canned peaches, they will last forever. Okay, how about the, uh, the, the next kind of pair that it talks about? It says in 1 Corinthians 15 that we go from dishonor to what? Glory, yes, it's from dishonor to glory. And so this is how we're raised up to live with God forever. Uh, we don't get uh, to be like mini gods by generating our own glory, but we reflect the glory and union that we have in Christ. Uh, the Bible says in, uh, in Romans 8 that we get to reign as co-heirs with Christ over his new creation as we're adopted into his family as sons and daughters and we'll reign with him one day in the new creation. We go from dishonor to glory. We matter. Okay, how about the next one? It says that we go from weakness, weakness to what? Great, yes, weakness to power here. So, um, I mean, one thing that I think is very obvious, uh, no, matter, no matter who you ask, is that kind of our bodies are, you know, getting weaker. Um, you look around us and there's death and there's disease and brokenness, it's just there. Like our bodies are prone to like just physically falling apart. Um, and so I'm starting to get to the age where like I'm starting to realize that some of the you know, professional athletes that I'm watching, and I'm like, oh man, like they're getting old. And then I look at their age and I'm like, oh man, like that's like my age. <laughs> and I'm not that old, I'm only 32. So I was looking up some, of the, some players that are, that are 32 and so like Derek Carr, Right, he's Pro Bowl, former Pro Bowl quarterback. Just got injured again last week. Probably isn't on the up and up. Uh, also, uh, Ricky Rubio. So he used to play for the Jazz for a bit. Um, his body's totally collapsing. Like, like he had uh, hit another bad injury last season, and he's like kind of taking off part of this season for like he says mental health reasons. You know, when he played for the Jazz like five years ago, he was averaging like 13 points a game. Last year, he averaged like five. And I'm looking, oh man, Ricky Rubio's old. That's me. <laughs> you know, our bodies just become weak. That's just, that's just what happens. Unless your name is Tom Brady, maybe. But even him, he's slowing down. Right? Okay, so our bodies weaken, but the glorious promise that God gives us is that if you are in Christ, we will get a glorified, powerful body. And while we won't have infinite power as God does, we will be made stronger. And I think this is a great hope and comfort for believers who might be suffering in the present. Uh, Francis Anderson, who's an Old Testament scholar, he was ailing from, uh, from a sickness that he had. Uh, when asked how he'd be doing, uh, his response was, nothing that a good resurrection would not fix. Right? God is coming back to make our bodies new, to resurrect us. 
Um, I'm all, always just wicked impressed by brothers and sisters that do bear adversity and suffering well. And, uh, and one of them who, uh, who's really uh, inspiring to me is a woman by the name of Johnny Erickson Tata. So uh, if you haven't heard of her, Erickson Tata, she, when she was 17 years old, uh, in, a, in a diving accident, she dove uh, into, I forget exactly what it was, uh, but she, uh, she ended up becoming a quadriplegic. So she lost the use of her, her arms uh, and her legs and uh, was initially distraught, experienced a very solid degree of hopelessness as she struggled with the question of why did God allow this to happen? But uh, in her prayers, God showed her that he permits what he hates to accomplish what he loves. And now uh, Eric Sintat is a spokesperson for those with disabilities and those experiencing tremendous bodily suffering. And despite her body's current powerlessness, she has hope in the resurrection when she will be able to walk and dance in the presence with, of God. And so this is, uh, this is, this is a quote that she, she wrote. She said, sometimes people are mystified by my joy, especially since I now deal with chronic pain. But God shares his joy on his, hit on his terms. And those terms call for us in some measure to endure suffering as did his precious son. But that's okay. For when I hold fast to God's grace in my afflictions, the joy he gives tops everything. It's how my so-called hateful paralysis now makes me so happy. Yet nowhere near as happy as I will be in heaven. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And she's ready to receive her glorified body. Okay, last, uh, last part here in 1 Corinthians 15, if you're still, still there. So it talks about how our bodies go from natural to what? Spiritual. Great. Now it goes from natural to spiritual. And so uh, what God's saying here is that previously we're in our fallen human sinful state. We're sinners and we're bad at heart. Because of Adam's sin and our own sin, we are condemned and unable to live perfect good lives in the present. After, uh, after God has, uh, if God has saved us, then we are being gradually sanctified and being made more and more into Christ's likeness, but we're not perfect in this life. We constantly fail, but with our glorified bodies, we will be unable to sin anymore. We stay of not being able to sin when we're remade. Okay, here's the last one. So this is uh, Romans 8, 28 to 30. Romans 8, 28 to 30. I want to turn there. Romans 8, 28 to 30. So same as we've done before, go ahead and chat with your neighbor. Okay, what does, uh, what does this guy tell us about, about our glorification? 
if God has called us, he has justified us, and he will glorify us. This is, this is a guarantee, right? It's, it's, it's not like a, a question we might get there. If you have faith in Christ, then you will be glorified with him. You will get that new glorified resurrection body. And that's what our salvation is leading up to. That's like the, 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 the ultimate goal of human history, to dwell with God forever with a perfect resurrected body and a soul united with that eternal and perfect. We'll be part of a remade heaven, remade earth, and live with God forever. Where there's no more sickness, no more sadness, no more death. And so, there we go. Is that? Yep, God has, glorification is all those who have been justified. It's a guarantee. And so, this leads to, okay, what is the, what is the implications of this? What should this cause us to do? Well, I think, first of all, this should cause us to praise God. Though we are sinners and unable to keep God's law, he loved us so much that he provided a way for us to be redeemed and to be brought back into relationship with him. We should praise God since we know that this is not our end. God has come, Jesus has come to make all things new. I think you look at the history of the Bible, this is always how God has, has meant things to be in his relationship with his creation. If you think back to the Garden of Eden, God walked with Adam and Eve. That's what he meant to do. He was meant to live with his people until they sinned. When God brought his people, Israel, out of slavery in Egypt, he decided to dwell with them in the tabernacle and then in the temple in, uh, in Jerusalem. He provided ways for the people of Israel to live with God because he is holy and they are sinful, but yet he still provided a way for them to live with him. And so eventually, Jesus, our God sent Jesus to be the one and only sacrifice for, uh, for our sins and made a way for us to dwell with him as adopted sons and daughters. He justified us to live with him forever in the new heavens and the new earth. He redeemed us by the power of his blood and is sanctifying his people now to make us more and more into what we should be. And eventually, he will glorify us and give us a new sinless body where we can live with him forever at. Later on in Romans 8... Uh, he says this, he says, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of, of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. When we're glorified, we get to live with him in eternity. And then, uh, and then our, finally, another implication is that we should have perseverance in our sanctification and in our present suffering right now. So we should have perseverance. God is preparing his people for a glorious life with him. And like Johnny Erickson Tata, as we watch our mortal bodies fail and fall apart, we should know that God has promised us perfect and eternal bodies with which to dwell with him forever. We might look at our, our family members now experiencing uh, memory loss or, or physical failings. Know that God will come to redeem that and give his people new bodies. We started the class by uh, talking about some, uh, some questions we might have regarding the future. I mean, thinking about our, our mortality can, can be scary and menacing sometimes. But for all those who are in Christ, we will be made new in him. So have hope and persevere. So, and with this, uh, this last quote by Graham Cole, he said, our hope for re glorification rests on the promise of a good and almighty God who wants us in his glorious presence and only a glorified creature is fit for such divine company. So let's pray.
Lord, we, we thank you for, for paying the price for our sin. And we praise you that we do have hope in you. Thank you that you are the God who, who promises, who will fulfill your promises, and you promise to make all things new. You promise that, that for all those who are justified, for those who have faith in you, one day will be resurrected. You will take us back from the dead and give us a new body in the new heaven and a new earth where we can live in the presence of your glory forever. Comfort us with that today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.